This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Tonight we are wrapping up our final message on the series of the fruit of the spirit we've been through all of them all kinds of out of order but tonight is the foundation it is the platform that all the others stand on and jamie dishman's going to be bringing this to us so please give her a huge hand give her some whoops yell scream because she is amazing thank you jamie for taking this tonight thank you all right hey elevate oh yeah y'all are all shifted like my heart wants to say just come over this way but Okay, so if your parents didn't specifically say don't sit closer, just scooch in because y'all are all way on the ends and I need to see you people. So while I'm getting this stand ready, um, does it get higher? Okay. All right. I'm going to use my mom voice if you don't scoot over. Um, All right, Elevate. So tonight, who can um, tell me what tonight's fruit of the... That's perfect. Thank you. Who can tell me what tonight's fruit of the spirit is? Elijah, did did you need something else? Oh, it's I get it. Like I just embody all of the fruit of the spirit to you, Elijah. <laughs> That's what he was saying, just not out loud. Anybody else has a guess? Aiden, did you read my notes? It's not self control, but praise the Lord, we pray for him to have self control. Gavin, good news, not goodness either. No, no one love it is on love the fruit of the spirit tonight that we're working on that we're gonna work through i should say is love so i titled it what's love got to do with it because there's a lot of songs in this message tonight and so i just thought i'd start with one so first i know we just prayed but um i just want to pray a specific prayer for tonight that this would be like I just felt in my heart that tonight, like we're back together, which it feels like way more than two months in some ways. It feels like way more than the amount of time it was. It feels like a launching pad. Like we're about to go. And I just feel in my spirit that there's a season that God's saying, the time is now. Like you've got to get it together so that there is a world of people waiting. And I feel it so strongly as I prepared that God is saying, let's go. Are you ready? And as elevate and as people of the gospel and as people who love Jesus more than their own lives, let's be ready. And so tonight, if you get nothing else, same as Jamie said, to be ready, and Jesus did too. So we're going to pray for that. God, I pray that you would birth within us revival. God, I've prayed so hard over the past few weeks for revival in my soul, in my spirit, and for the people around me. And God, I pray that tonight you would move in ways that you've never moved before. God, that you would do things you've never done before. God, we ask for miracles. God, we ask for your presence and your passion. That God, when we leave here, we could not possibly be the same because we've met you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, what's love got to do with it? A lot of things you're going to find out tonight. And so the fruit of the Spirit is this, because we've read this verse almost every single week. Um, 
It's our fruit of the Spirit. Does anybody have it memorized? That would be so impressive. And I would just, Mary. So we had a little kid song. So like anybody else has to say them in order. Like if you get them out of order, I don't know them anymore. And so we taught our kids this little song growing up. It was about the fruit. Yeah, yeah. Fruit of the spirit. It's like love, joy. Okay. Gentleness, faithfulness too. Woohoo. And so if you, however it works for you to get these down. Um, but tonight we're just going to, we're so it's Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 25. And, um, I'm going to have to actually open my Bible to read that. So, um, and we're just going to review that one quick time before we launch into what tonight is about, which is love, which is, um, as Dominic described it, Pastor Dom said, it's the cornerstone. It's by which we anchor everything else. And so I just want to start off listing them for you. Hold on. All right, here it is. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. If you have the Bible app, you can find it. Um, And it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. And so what I want to anchor on first is this idea of being in step with the spirit. Because when the Bible says that you ought to be in step with the spirit, there's an idea that you might not be in step with the spirit. So as Christians who are maturing in our faith day by day and daily, we ask ourselves questions like what does it look like to not be in step with the spirit? Because see at the very beginning of this passage, if you jump back in that chap- same chapter in verse 15, It says this, he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. That when you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to do what your flesh wants to do. And then he goes on to list the things that your flesh wants to do. He, He lists them just like he lists all the fruit of the spirit. He lists all the things that your flesh wants to do right after verse 15, when he says, but you've got to walk a certain way. And the way that you need to walk is in the spirit. It's in who Jesus is. It's in who Jesus has called you to be. So are you walking in that? Because if you're not, the other option are there's things in the flesh. It says that you're going to be sexually immoral. You're going to have impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rival, all these things, rivalries. He says, because you're, you're not walking in step with the spirit the passions of the flesh give over. And he says, so I say walk step by step this way in the spirit. So he kind of bookends that whole idea of walking in the spirit. He says, you've got to walk in the spirit. And then again at the end, in case you missed it the first time, because he knows we're all distracted and we're like, wait, what you just said, Paul? He said, walk in the spirit. He said it again. Because sometimes we don't catch it the first time. And then we wind up walking in ways that do not honor God. And he says, but I've called you to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kind. And the list feels overwhelming if you just read through it. And right when you get overwhelmed, he stops us and he says, but it's okay. Because you get to walk with the Spirit. And when Jesus left earth, he said the Holy Spirit was better. That I'm I'm giving you something better. And it's the better that we get to walk in. And so I just wanted to point it out that if you feel like the past few weeks 
have been a struggle and you're like, man, it's, I have to self-control. I'm struggling in self-control. And then I'm struggling in joy. I haven't been joyful. I've been a little bit depressed. Whatever your struggle has been, Pastor Dom has been so faithful to point out that you don't need to strive to have more self-control. You don't have to strive to be more joyful. You just need to meet Jesus and you walk in the spirit and these things start happening. And you're like, well, Miss Jamie, I don't know if that's 100% true. No, it is. It is impossible to meet Jesus and not be changed. And the choice is yours of how you're going to be changed. See, because some people met Jesus and despised him and hate grew in their heart. And that was the change. They met him and they plotted his death. And some people met Jesus and they went out and they became martyrs of the faith. And they had so much self-control that when they wanted to live, they still hung themselves, allowed someone to hung them up, hang them upside down on a cross. I just messed that all up. Peter said, it's okay if I'm hung upside down for Jesus. That dude couldn't even tell about Jesus to a little girl and then he's crucified. That's, that's because of the fruit of the spirit. He started walking in who Jesus called him to be because he met Jesus and he was changed. Um, but why then? The question becomes, why is it so hard to walk in the spirit? Why is that so hard? Well, because we live in this world. And see, there's people who keep messing up my spiritual walk. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good at being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, all those self-control when I'm by myself. Like, I have got it down. Well, except the self-control, because I would still eat out my pantry when I'm not supposed to. But every other one, I'm like, love, I love myself. I do. Joy, I bring myself great joy. Like, if you just let me be by myself, like, in my garden, maybe with a book, you can ask my kids. There's great joy there for me. I don't need another soul. Peace out. And the problem comes in with people. Because my favorite person I decided over the past few weeks to quarantine with is me. (laughs) like me all the rest of you can stay six feet away i've told that to people in my house multiple times just stay six feet away the government's recommending it and so the danger of that is i started to like it in some very weird ways and and good ways some were good and healthy and some were not healthy for me i started to love my quarantine life more than my real one that i was living before because you get to talk to who you want to talk to you get to text who you want to text and the people who trip me up a lot in life i didn't even see them i'm like praise jesus i didn't see you for two months and so tonight all of a sudden we're brought back into the reality of maybe the person sitting five foot away from you has rubbed you the wrong way a few times and jesus is like there's joy there too you know, and the danger of our quarantine life is, is we just isolated, we self-isolated. And we said, we only chose the people that were easy. You know, and maybe some of you live with families that aren't easy. There's that little situation that happens. But besides your family, you kind of got to choose. And, and see, I'm really, really good at displaying the flute, fruits of the spirit to myself. You know? But other people just really, really complicate it. And if you don't know what that means, bless your heart. You are a pure soul. Because people are complicated. Christian people are complicated. And I wish I could tell you, but in the Christian world, it's so different. Well, it's not because we're all walking this thing out step by step. I am learning the fruits of the Spirit as I walk with the Spirit. It doesn't mean I've mastered any or all of them. You know, um, so where do we get the power to deal with all of these people? So, so if, if Jesus, 
through Paul is saying, there's a certain way you've got to walk, and that's to be full of love, full of joy, full of peace. Where do we get that power from? Where's it coming from? Because it's not in myself, because I can think I'm so good to go, and one little thing triggers something, and all of a sudden, I'm right back where I was emotionally, spiritually, whatever it was. And I'm like, no, that can't be true because I need this new power. Well, the power comes in Jesus. And there's, here's how he worded it in John chapter 15, verse 4 through 5. This should be a review to you because you've heard this verse in this series before. And Jesus said these words. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. That's for those of you who thought you could be by yourself forever. You can't unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He is it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. No, he doesn't even give you that. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like he's just laying it straight. There's just a moment in Jesus like, apart from me, you can do nothing. So for those of you who think, well, I'm pretty good on my own, you're wrong. Jesus said, you can do don't get that wrong because when we do we trip ourselves up even more because the power and the source and the strength comes from Jesus Christ who says I am the true vine so if you so this is really cool this is a side note um so pastor Don when he asked me to speak he texted me and so I said yes but then he emailed me okay so this was like a little tricky because he asked me to and I said yes but then he emailed me this long list of instructions on what to say. And I thought, this is not like Pastor Dom. Like, if you know him, he's like, Jamie, I trust God in you. Maybe he gives an idea sometimes, sometimes not. He's like, it's fine. So he gives me this long list of instructions on what to say tonight. And um, and uh, so I, I was like reading through it. And y'all, like the list of instructions that he gave me to include in tonight's message would have been, my dream sermon. I just need to say that because he's like, so he says, talk about being the vine and the branches. So if you know anything, even a little bit about me, you can probably guess I've spent most of the past two months of my me time in my garden. <laughs> Good job, Gavin. Um, by myself or like or if like random people came to our house to drop stuff off and stuff, I'd be like, hey, we haven't seen anybody for a week. Do you want to come walk in my garden? And they just thought I was weird. And um, so then Pastor Dom lets me talk about the vine and the branches because it's very clear. Like when you're in a garden at all, there's definitely clarity there um, in this word picture of abiding in the vine. So abide in the Greek, it's really, really easy in the Greek. It means to remain. It's this idea, and John loves the word, um, um, he, he loves the word abide. John's where we pulled this scripture reference from. And he uses it more than any New Testament writer, this idea of you've got to remain in Jesus Christ. Whenever you hear the word abide, it means you don't get to leave. So the, the, there's a there's a mental picture that I need you to have. So we all have cell phones, most of us, or we have an iPad, or there's some sort of device. You're charging, you're uncharging, you're, you know, you use it, then you're like, I have to go put my phone on my charger. And it's such an inconvenience, isn't it? When you're like, my phone right now is on like maybe 2%. Such an inconvenience. It's not fully charged because my phone does not abide. It does not remain in the charger. I take it off and it loses its power. And then I put it back on and it gains power. And then some nights I think I put it on and I didn't. And then I don't have my phone the next day. And it just is what it is. But Jesus and through John says it like this. No, you've got to remain in me. It's not like a cell phone charger. The, the picture is of a plant. 
Because here's what happens in my garden. I have these funky little branches on my tomato plants or um, sometimes my cucumbers, sometimes my zucchini, like all of them. They get these little brown branches. And and you know what I do? I clip them off. I have little scissors and I clip them off because those are not acting right. (laughs) Like Miss Cindy says, if you don't act right, you get out my garden. And that is the rule in my garden. So for the branches that aren't acting right, this is not a picture of Jesus. This is Jamie in the flesh. Like I cut them out. Like act right or get out. And so... There is a pile of branches. If you walk through my garden right now, there's a pile of branches on the ground that I clipped out this morning of some tomatoes that aren't acting right. They got some brown spots on their branches. So if you walk through it, those branches are very, very, very dead. There's no new life for them. Like if they're not connected to the actual vine, um, am I walking too much? Do they need me to stay in front of the iPad? Um, so if So the problem becomes that if those branches are not abiding in the vine, if they don't remain in the vine, they're dead. And, and here's just the picture that Jesus said through John. He said that Jesus said, and John captured it. He said, if you don't remain in me, you can do nothing. Every bit of your power to bear fruit comes from remaining in him. You don't get to uncharge from Jesus. You don't get to take a break. He's in you. He's creating new life in you continually to do this thing where we would walk step by step with him. That the power comes from remaining in Jesus and constantly. You don't want to be a dead branch tossed on the ground. Those branches get tossed in the garbage. They're of no good to anyone. They're, they're, they're not worth anything. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't stay connected in me. You can do nothing. All of the power to do every single thing that we've talked about these past few weeks as Dom has gone through each fruit of the Spirit, it all comes from Jesus. Apart from him, you can do nothing if you're not remaining in him. And the Passion Version ver, uh, translation says it like this, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will just stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are fruitless. Because there's this image in John's writings of barren fruit. There's an image of being more than a branch. Don't we all want to be more than a branch? If, we, if we're just honest, right? Like, I gotta, I'm content to be a branch. I'm content to be connected to the vine. But I want some fruit. I don't even, I don't even care what it is, y'all. I grow zucchini and I don't even like to eat it. It is a joy of the harvest for me. That's, I know. Like, we make zoodles, but it's not even my favorite thing. Like, it's just okay to me. Okay, I know. Okay, I have extras. You can have them. My kids are like, quit forcing us to eat zoodles. Um, you know, but like the fruit of the spirit, it's, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not a labor. It's, it's not even a goal. My branches are not sitting out there right now in my garden saying, I sure do wish I could bear a tomato. Nope. They just have a little flower that grows and then the tomato comes and good things just happen because they're staying in the vine. But the second they're not in the vine, nothing happens. And so you don't have to say, oh, man, like I really, really want. No, stay in Jesus and you're going to find joy. Stay in Jesus and you're going to find gentleness. You're struggling with anger and not being gentle. You, If you stay in Jesus, you're going to find it. He is so faithful to show you exactly what you need. You don't have to strive for more of these things. We aren't trying to burden you and elevate with saying, hey, you, you need to be more joyful. No, you don't. Stay. We're saying run to Jesus, and he's going to give you joy. 
We're saying run to Jesus and he's going to help you be more patient. You struggle with that? Run to Jesus. There's no one who is described as long-suffering more than God. You know what long-suffering means? Patient. He's patient with you and he's patient with other things. He, the Bible says he is long-suffering. He's so patient. When you run to him, he's going to give you that. Um, and here's the deal. Okay. When you abide in the true vine and your source of power comes from that, there is such joy in the harvest. And I'm so excited. Like I said, Pastor Dom's notes was like exactly what I wanted to say. Because, so I texted Miss Cindy Mathern this thought. Um, I, well, I first texted her a picture of my, um, my T-shirt full of cucumbers. And so, <laughs> I, okay, yeah, my, y'all opinion to me just went way down. Eli said, stop. Um, so like I had my shirt full of cucumbers in the morning and like, I'd like just pull out my shirt. I put like all these cucumbers in it. So I snapped my cell phone picture to Miss Cindy. I'm like, look at all these cucumbers. Now I do really like cucumbers. So there was real joy there. It wasn't like the zucchini. And, um, I, I am so excited. Okay. Like when the tomatoes are on my counter, I'm excited. There is such joy in the harvest for me. And so I'd snap this picture of my cucumbers for her. And so I sent it to her. And then I said, gosh, what if that's just a small glimpse of the joy of the harvest of God, our father, who gives us Jesus, the vine, and we are the branches and there's fruit there. Like when Jesus sees us bearing fruit, he is overcome by joy. Like what if the joy that I feel, because every single gardener I know, I'm on like several different gardening group chats. And so, um, like we're all just telling each other, y'all, we got five tomatoes today. Yay. Every single person I know geeks out about it once you grow them yourself. Because there's joy in the harvest. There's joy in the fruit. And see, that fruit didn't have to make me joyful. It just happens. Like I pick it and I'm like, this is awesome. And you know, I did nothing to make them grow. I I did my little things that, you know, like I watered them. But I can't make a tomato grow. But there's joy in the harvest. And when you stay in Jesus and you're a branch... And you make a fruit, your father is clapping behind you in heaven when you're full of his joy, when you're full of his peace and his patience and his kindness and his goodness and his long-suffering heart. He's sitting up there clapping. And if he could gather you in his t-shirt and show Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he sure would. Because he's that proud of you. He's that proud of his harvest that his people are doing. And you've done nothing to create that joy. You've done nothing to create love, which is what I'm supposed to be talking about tonight, and I haven't yet, but I will. You've done nothing. The Jesus in you has done all the work, and there's joy in the harvest. So that brings me to my first point of all the fruit of the Spirit, and that is this, that number one, if you're taking any notes at all, which you don't have to, you know, like just commit it to your memory. Our fruit is not for us. So, so in the same way, the branch that grows the fruit it's not for the branch and that i didn't have time to really research this but i wanted to but i'm pretty sure that there is no single branch in the history of ever or in all of the world except like maybe some weird rainforest that eats its own fruit i was like there's the venus fly trap but it eats flies not fruit and so i said man is that even true if i'm going to say that i don't know but i think it is like the branch doesn't consume the tomato the, the branch doesn't consume the cucumber. The rose bush isn't consuming the rose. It's for somebody else to either enjoy beautiful things or to eat good food. 
that the brand, the fruit that you display and have on display for the glory of God, it's not even for you. So you, you're all like, oh, how am I going to be? It does just, just run to Jesus, and he's going to help you grow some fruit to share with all the world. Because that's the goal of fruit, that your love is not for you. Your joy is not for you. And if I could just get that into your brain, that our fruit is not for us. So when you fail, it's okay. Jesus says, come to me. We're going to try again. I'm going to give you joy. And, and there's some other things about fruit on branches that if you're going to get this mental picture of what John's saying, um, number one is that fruit left on the branches too long, they do two things. They might do more than two things, but two main things. Number one, it saps the energy out of the plant. Like if you just like the temptation, if you have a beautiful fruit growing or a beautiful flower is to like leave it there, but you got to get that thing off so that new fruit can grow. Like when you pick a tomato, the other ones say, yay, you got the big one out the way. Now this new tomato starts growing. It's the way it works. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to harvest. And uh, so many um, fruits, vegetables, different things, the more you harvest, the more it produces. So you don't have to be worried about running out of fruit. Like, oh, I can't give away all my joy today. Yes, you can. He's going to help you make more. You know, like, you don't have to worry about giving away your gentleness. He's going to help you make more. You can never be too gentle. The God of the harvest says, I'm going to help you produce more if you stay in me. And it's going to sap your energy. If you hold on tight to the things God gives you that wasn't meant to be yours, it's going to suck you dry. And you're going to wonder why what looks like fruit in your life is dying. It's because it wasn't yours to start off with. It was for somebody else. It's never, ever for you. Number two, the other thing that happens to um to fruit left on the plant is that it rots. Like if you don't pick it, it just rots off and becomes nasty. So share your fruit. Um, so point number two is this. Um, our fruit, if you're a branch and you're making fruit, it's intended to make more fruit. And is there any other song during quarantine that's like more prolific than that song like about your children and your children and my children, their grandchildren and my great grandchildren? You know, you know the song, everybody. Yes, that one. Um, we've listened to it like 8,336 times over the past two months, like on every level we've listened. Um, so I need you to get that song in your head so that you can picture this. That that's the way fruit works. So like if you, like your fruit is meant to bear more fruit. So if you have a, if you have some, a strawberry and you save a, a strawberry is not a good example. We need something better. If you have a tomato and you save a seed, you can grow a whole new plant. That from out of the good things that God produces in you, it's meant to continue on for generations to generations, for your children and your children and your children's children and their friends' children. And it branches out and it grows. Every fruit, every single fruit can make more fruit from seed. And you know, the other day my kids are like, how about lettuce? I'm like, yeah, I don't know where they get lettuce seeds from, but I know I put some in my garden. So I guess they're like really teeny tiny because like I couldn't even hardly see it when I shook them in my garden. But I know lettuce grew. So wherever those seeds are hiding inside the lettuce that you eat, they're there. And so even very small seeds can make more fruit. Because often throughout the Bible, and I've said this like probably every time I ever get opportunity to speak, that there are visible things here on earth that remind us of the invisible things that are all around us. And when you look for them, he shows them to you. When, when you are faithful to say, God, what are you showing me through this thing that you created? He says, I'll show you. And fruit's just that way. It's just that way of saying... Look, this is how it works for this cucumber. 
but it works that way for you too. More importantly, the lesson is for you. Um, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. That when you look all around us, far away at the universe and close up, you see the image of an invisible God. You see the image of the invisible God written across the heavens behind us. And you see it when you look close up and then examine the fruit or the flower before you. God says, I'm here. I'm making myself visible. Are you stopping to pay attention? Are you stopping to see the lessons that I'm teaching you in my visible world that I created, that he stamped his imprint on things all over creation for us to see? Um, Spiritually, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, this echoes of God, of who he is. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind? That should ring a bell. That's a fruit of the spirit. Tolerant, patient. God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So when God's kindness or any other fruit is on display in your life, it bears more fruit. And so all throughout the Bible, we're learning these attributes of God. His kindness leads us toward repentance. His faithfulness. He's faithful when we are not. His patience is what has helped him to stand with us for so long when we were not faithful. Psalm 31, 19 says, How great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear you, and you've be, and you've bestowed on those who take refuge in you in the sight of the sons of men. That he's granting good gifts to those who take refuge to him. That's an echo of the vine and the branches. That's an echo of being rooted in him so that he would give you good fruit. He's freely bestowing his fruit. He's freely giving really, really good things. And there's an author that um, Dom quotes him all the time, Bob Goff. Um, he, he says it like this. He says um, in his book, Everybody Always, he says that so many times God puts very difficult people in our path. People, he calls it with your sh- your shirt like off a button, you know, like and he like you know like somebody didn't button their shirt right, so it's one up, one down. And Bob Goff says, you know, I've been that person with my buttons off a little bit, and I'm usually he says I'm usually just one button off, but sometimes too. The fact is, some of the people who have shaped my faith the most were a couple of buttons off on theirs. They've made some big mistakes. Run toward those people, not away. There's a quiet confidence in knowing we all hit a couple of wrong notes here and there. The report card on our faith is how we treat one another when we do. He says, run to the difficult people. And Bob, not just Bob Goff says it. Jesus says it too. Embrace the sinner. Embrace the difficult people. Because the key to making fruit isn't just being where you want to be or being by who you want to be by. Yay, that you get to pick your friends to sit by tonight. But what if you couldn't? And God says, I'm going to have you around very difficult people. Run to them. Be Jesus to them. Um, and that we, we're pushing toward broken people continually. There should be a constant emphasis toward where are the broken people? Because I want to run to them. Because that's the heart of Jesus. He was always running toward the broken people. See, this, uh, there's this idea of brokenness in the kingdom of God where nothing is wasted. There is nothing wasted in the kingdom of God. And I do have another garden example, I know. And so in February, I cooked for Place of Restoration, okay? And so I peeled like a 15-pound bag of potatoes because there's like 20 men there or something. So we, we peel the potatoes, or my kids peel the potatoes. I probably should not take credit for all that. Eli probably peeled the potatoes. And so 
We cook mashed potatoes for place of restoration. And I say, hey, just go throw those potato peelings in my garden because I compost. Okay, so like the skin of the potatoes helps add nutrients to my soil. So we throw the potato peelings in my garden because we just filled it with dirt. I'm like, perfect, let's do that. And like in March, these green things start popping up in my garden that I did not plant. And I'm like, what is this? And so we we pull one out. And at the end of the green thing is the potato peeling. And I'm like, this potato peeling is making a potato plant. This is so exciting. And so, um, and so lo and behold, we get like dozens and dozens and dozens of potato plants from potato peelings that we literally tossed in the garden. We didn't even plant them. We just tossed them on top and they took root and made potatoes. We harvested potatoes. We had all these potatoes to eat from the waste of cooking for someone else and so I'm like this is such a miracle and everybody else like no it's just what potatoes do they they make more potatoes but like to me it was such a miracle of saying I didn't think those potato peelings were really worth anything at all and God says no you're wrong nothing's ever wasted in my kingdom if you give it to me I'm gonna help you make fruit you don't even have to worry about it first Corinthians 15 8 says this so my dear brothers and sisters be steadfast be immovable always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that whatever you do for him, it will never, ever be wasted. There's nothing wasted. Not your nasty peelings that you thought you were throwing away. If you did it for Jesus and you gave glory to God, he will bring about the fruit that he wants to produce in you. So what's love really got to do with this? Because so far I haven't talked about love at all. That's point number three. Our love life matters. So I feel like as Christians... We often think we've got love down. You want me to quote 1 Corinthians 13? Okay. Love is patient. Love is kind. I could do it all day long. Do I live it? No. Can I quote it? Yes. And, you know, like we even know the different types of love. We, we, we can often talk about, well, maybe that's this kind of agape love. That is this sort of love. And as Christians, we just think we've got this love thing so, so, so down. You know, like it's the first song we we learned when we were three years old. Jesus loves me, this I know. And we say, we've got it. Miss Jamie, you could just skip over love for the fruit of the Spirit. Because if there's one fruit that we think we probably have, it's probably on some level you think you're loving well. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's um, your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're like, I do. I have love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of all these is love. Galatians 5, 6 says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. All that matters is faith expressed through love. And so I do have one more book tonight. I know it wasn't a good night to have a million books, but I do. And this guy named Dallas Willard rocked my world um, probably six years ago with this idea of kingdom dynamics and how we are called to love. And he worked through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which if you just read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 or chapter 6 um, into chapter 7, it will change your world. You could I always say you could only read that and never, never leave it. Um, he says this, that when we treasure those around us and we see them as God's creatures designed for his eternal purpose, we do not make an additional point of not hating them or calling them twerps or fools. Not doing these things is simply a part of the package. He that loves has fulfilled the law, Romans thirteen eight. So we're not making an additional point to be kind. 
we're just doing it because we're full of Jesus. Like when we've lived through the Sermon on the Mount that says, pray for those who spitefully use you, pray for your enemies. You are salt. You are light. You are a city set on a hill. You can't help but be kind because you're full of Jesus and you've abided in him. So not being wrongly angry and so on. He says, that's a poor plan for treating people with love. Well, I'm not going to get angry anymore. That doesn't mean you're loving them well. Just because you're not angry at someone, it doesn't mean you're being who Christ has called you to be. Um, You know, it says, for all of their necessity, laws that deal only with actions such as the Ten Commandments simply cannot reach the human heart. And that's what Jesus kept saying is that the law can only be fulfilled through love. That love is the cornerstone by which we live our Christian lives. That love, it's, it's when we abide in Christ that we're full of love, that we're full of good things to give to other people. And that if you're only saying to yourself, well, I'm not gonna, that you have not fulfilled the call to love in your life. And quit saying, I'm not gonna, and say, but I will run to Jesus. I'm weak in this area. And I have a wonderful example of this that doesn't even come from a garden. Praise Jesus. So like, we were, (laughs) and everybody claps. All my kids say amen. Um, So we were one week into quarantine. And Billy and I lost our ever-loving minds on our kids, like bad. So certain unnamed children who were male in my my family (laughs) were like annoying the mess out of us. Okay. And and so one in particular followed me into my garden. I lied. It does that my garden. And he just like is still tattling on his brother. I said, get inside. Everybody. Like mom voice came out like I was so done. Everybody get on the couch. Okay, so then Billy sees me angry and he just joins right in. I love him. Like he is my like I don't know if you noticed before service, like he prayed for me because he prays for me every single time I ever say one word in Jesus' name on any kind of thing. And like that's that's who he is. Like you have no idea how much he is my number one fan. And so my number one fan said, you angry? I'm going to be angry too. Boom. And so we were both angry. And like we were, it was bad. So we sit all five children on the couch. I don't know if Jahari was with us or not. I don't know if he joined, partook in this. Okay. The kids remember it well. We yelled at them like I've never yelled at my kids before. I'm talking like the ugly kind of yell where like your face, if you could get a video of it. I would be so embarrassed to stand before you and say, that's what I looked like. And you will not. That's what it was. He did it. I did it. Okay. Like it was bad and everybody go to bed and that's how it ended. And so our night ended like that. And we were just like five days into this thing. And, um, and like, I couldn't sleep. I woke up in the morning and it felt like I can't express it other than to go back to John chapter 15 and say, it felt like I had broken off from the vine. Like I felt like a branch on the floor of my garden. I'm like, God, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel like that toward my kids or toward anyone else ever again. And so we went through our day and um and so we called them on the couch again that second night and they were like, Great, our parents are gonna yell at us again because that was scurry. Um we made our girls sob. Like we've never made our girls cry like that. We were so mad at them and the girls weren't even involved. They just got to partake in the yelling because we were gonna yell at everybody about the way life was gonna be running the Dishman household. And we said, We are so sorry. And we commit before you and before God and before Jesus and now before Elevate. I'm sorry if you think less of us. But like we commit to never ever yell at you like that ever again. You will never hear me yell. I won't. (laughs) We'll punish the mess out of you. (laughs) But you will never ever hear me yell. I'm so sorry. We are so sorry. But I didn't get to that place by saying, I'm not going to yell at my kids anymore. Because you know what saying I'm not going to yell at my kids does? 
the next time you get mad, you just yell again. But that day I repented before the Lord and said, God, I've got to be so full of you that when they irk my ever loving last nerve, and they will, like people do, like I just want to be full of you and full of grace and mercy and appropriate punishments. That's who I want to be before them and before the Lord. And I don't want to ever break off of the vine and be tossed aside. And it felt that whole day like I had broken off the vine and just lost it. And I don't want to feel that way because I love Jesus so much. And um, it, so we were painting our garage and I was listening to this um, this podcast. And um, man, this man who I haven't listened to in years, he, he popped up on this podcast I listened to that I didn't even know who he'd be on. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to him. And he was talking about the fruit of the spirit. And we were only a few weeks in. And he said something that rattled me. Dom had only given a few messages on the fruit of the spirit. And he said it like this. He said that, see, remember how, like I said, it's bookend by walk. You're walking step by step with your savior, with the Holy Spirit. And then you're walking step by step. But in between that, you can step away and there's all these things listed and they're pretty bad. Or you can step toward and with, and there's love and joy and peace there. He said, when you step away and you choose to live the sins, he says, you're inviting hell up. And he said, but when you walk in the fruit of the spirit, you're inviting heaven down and see like inviting heaven down has been a big part of my life. Because if you, there was one time at home a Christian, I preached about it. Your kingdom come, thy will be done here. Now I'm ready. But when he said, you're inviting hell up. And it was probably like two days after I yelled at my kids. God, I don't want to invite hell up ever. No way. Demons are real. Satan is real. I'm not inviting them into my home, into my life, into my personal space. There's a choice in the step in, in the step by step and the walking it out. You're saying you're either inviting hell up or heaven down. There isn't both. So often in Christianity, there's not the wiggle room that we assume there is. There's not both. It's hell up heaven down and where are you and who do you want to be surrounded by with the angels of heaven or the demons and principalities of darkness and if that doesn't shake you to your core we should have an altar call so the way we live out love matters we are created in the image of god who is love that's like christianity 101 god is love and that's who we're created to be like. So everything he's created, all of his, the things his creatures keep creating, whether they realize it or not, the beauty about God's creation is whether or not people realize they're creating things in his image, they often, often are. And so for my very final point, I have no idea where we're at with time, probably forever, huh? It, Dom says go. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I really am almost done. But um, so, so all of creation is reflecting the glory of God. And here's the thing. Sometimes they don't even know they are. Like, you don't have to be a Christian. This is going to, like, weird some people out. But you don't have to be a Christian to reflect the glory of God. We think we've got that because we're Christians. No, God has placed the image of himself in all of us. And some of us are choosing to, to walk in that and display it on a greater thing. But some people are, like, not saved at all. And they're just, like, still in some ways creating things that reflect the image of our Lord and Savior. Is there, there's like a huge bug. That's okay. I would squish that. So here's the thing. There, like I was going to bed last night and I kept thinking, so what does love walked out look like? If I'm saying you've got a step-by-step walk with the spirit, well, what does love look like? And I kept thinking of three kinds of loves. So there, I have three examples of how you're called to walk this thing out as Christians. If you're going to walk in love in the spirit, number one, there's a faithful love. I just kept thinking of a faithful, faithful love. And so I thought of there is nothing that displays 
faithful love in this world besides the Bible, like a good old-fashioned country music song, okay? So I have one to sing for y'all, because I did. It's why people love, no, I really am. Um, My kids, just just cover your ears and pretend like I'm not your mom. But listen, there isn't. It's why people listen to country music. It's not always because it's that great of music. It's because we're dying to have a little bit of that. So you all know this song. I'm going to sing bad. It's okay. It goes, as long as old men sit and talk about the weather, as long as old women sit and talk about old men, if you wonder how long I'll be faithful. Anybody knows that? Well, just listen to how this song ends. (laughs) I'm going to love you forever and ever or something forever and ever amen it's probably christian they put amen i'm gonna love you forever forever and ever amen okay it's why people listen to country because they want a faithful forever and ever amen kind of love like they want to sit on the rocker on the front porch with the man woman of their dreams they want to grow old together we are longing for faithful love that's only truly displayed in god Jesus, who is divine, the branches that are bearing fruit, you can be faithful and show a world that that kind of love even ends. But his doesn't. And we are longing for faithful love. Be people who show a faithfulness of love to Jesus Christ, your Savior. And then there is love that chooses us. Oh, the thought of being chosen. So I have another really great secular example. Because remember, people who don't even worship Jesus are still creating things that will bear the image of a God because they can't even help it. Because God's image is imprinted on us and we're longing for things of him, even if they won't admit that they're longing for things of him. So there's a movie called The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks. You may or may not like it, know it, love it. It's okay. And there's this moment and the little guy who's like, whatever. And it's about these two old people growing old together. Faithful love. We long, we long for it. But when they're still young, he goes back to the girl of his dreams because they keep kind of going back in time. And he says this, he says, so it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. We're going to have to work at this every day. But I want to do that because I choose you. I want all of you forever, every day. And like everybody's crying when they watch the movie at this point because we're longing for a love that encapsulates a faithful forever and a love that chooses not only are you going to stay with me forever because you were forced but you chose me I want you he said I want you I would have played the clip if we would have been at the lighthouse um because see Jesus was the creator of that idea a love that chooses because the Bible says that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses Jesus died for us in our sins we weren't beautiful like the girl on the movie we were ugly and dead and broken and he said no 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 i'm gonna choose you and you get to live with me forever there's a faithful love there's a love that chooses we are ought to embody that and then there's a sacrificial love and just because i'm a complete heathen here's another example from um the um hunger games And y'all know what I'm about to say, maybe, if you're thinking of sacrificial love. Because there's a moment where the Hunger Games captures your heart, your attention. You say, I'm going to keep watching this movie. And it's the moment, if you've seen it, where they're saying, hey, we're picking people, tributes to go to this place where everybody's going to kill everybody. And basically, all of you get killed except one. And then the little girl's name, Primrose, is picked. And she's like so small and tiny and sweet and precious. And we all go, oh, she's about to die. She's going to the Hunger Games. And all of a sudden, Katniss Everdeen stands up and says, I volunteer as tribute. 
And it didn't matter what Katniss did from another moment on in that movie, because she was like dumb sometimes after. We still loved her because she showed such a sacrificial love. She said, my sister's so weak and broken and she'll never make it through. So I volunteer. And she stepped forward as tribute and that movie captured her hearts. Because you didn't even know your heart was being captured by the sacrificial love of Katniss Everdeen. That's only a small fraction of the sacrificial love that our Father in Heaven has for you. See, because Dominic Ferrone, he defines love as this. He says, love is a choice, a love that chooses, and a love that commits, that forever kind of love. Now, I added just one little thing to it in a sentence, and it's a love that sets itself apart like Jesus did on the cross. And it says this, I would sacrifice myself for you. I would give everything I am for you. And that's what Katniss Everdeen did on a much smaller pretend scale. And Jesus did it for real. And he says, and you get to come live in me and I'm going to give you all of that. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Because if you lay down your life for one of these people in this crowd, we would call you a hero. We would give you medals and you'd be in the newspaper. But Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly while we were still sinners. Christ didn't even do it for his friend. He did it for you. Who were, you were not a friend of God when he died for you. You were an enemy. And he said, I'll do it for you. Love walks out step by step and it's hard and it's difficult and it's go time quarantine is over but it's time to get back to the people who are hard to love don't let your fruit rot hopefully you've grown some fruit over the past two months and your branches are loaded down give it away give your fruit away give your stuff away give away your love give away your joy give away your patience give away your kindness give away your gentleness give away your self-control because even your self-control is still for others jesus says i need to be in you you need to be in me and we're going to go and change the world. Are you ready? Because at the end of his Sermon Mount, he says it like this. He says, you know, there's a house and it stands firm when it's built on the rock. And are you tonight, number one, built on the rock? And number two, are you ready to be people who bear fruit for the kingdom of God? My prayer is that this small group of us would go out and change the world. Jesus did it with 12 and one wasn't even faithful. So really it was like 11. Everybody's like, Jesus had 12. Well, I don't really count Judas that much. Like, we could go and change the world. You don't have to be anybody God's not calling you to be. You don't have to speak up here to go and change the world. You don't. Be faithful. Be true. Be who Jesus has called you to be and be ready. And we stay in him and he produces fruit in us. May you know a love that is faithful so stand up. I would like to bless you as we end. Shh. It's, it's 30 more seconds of silence. God, we come before you. And God, I pray over your people. God, because these are your people. They've shown up. They said, I want more of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them with a faithful love that they would know your faithful love, God, that they would know a love that chooses them, God, that they were so chosen, and God, that they would know your sacrificial love that said, you died for them, and God, that when they know it fully, they would rest in you and the goodness of who you are, God, that there's nothing bad about you, 
and may they go out and give their fruit to a world that we don't keep it for ourselves. We don't keep it in our small communities. We don't keep it in our Christian circles, but we say we're ready to go out and give it to a world desperately in need. And may we seek out the hard people who are so hard to love and give them the love you've given us so freely because we can't give your love without knowing it first. May they know you. May they hear you. May they walk step by step with you from this day forward. God, we're not going backwards. God, we're ready to go build our house on a firm foundation. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.